You're listening to DraftKings Network. Coming up on today's show. Juju and Nat are back. Plus, Joe is moving his whole family to Germany for a year to coach football. We're going to break down Jimbo Fisher living the American dream after his $76 billion buyout and the silliness of the Jim Harbaugh suspension. We also dig into the Deshaun Watson renaissance game against the Ravens and Josh Dobb, the pastronaut, and even some really dope Tama Flock questions. All of this and much, much more on the sitcom-worthy family reunion episode of The Tom. Tomahawk show. I would be honored if you play football for this team. Me play football? Now, most of you have been playing this game for 10 years. You got two more quarters, and after that, most of you will never play this game again. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. You sure? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the world-famous Tomahawk Show, brought to you by the good folks at the DraftKings Network and Meadowlark Media. As always, I am your humblest of all co-hosts, former NFL wide receiver Andrew Hawkins, joined by the best crew in all the land. Uh, my co-host, the Hall of Famer, Mr. 369 himself, Joseph Hayden Thomas, is in the building as always. Joe, how are you doing today? Doing wonderful. I'm wearing a hat that almost was Andrew Hawkins's hat because when we were <laughs> hanging out in LA a few weeks ago doing the barbershop show, I was like, ah, oh, Hawk, you can have this hat. You know, I don't want any more apparel. That's the last thing I need is more clutter in my life. And he's like, no, you have a giant head. It's very ugly and you should cover it with something. And that hat actually fits really well for people with giant domes. And I took his advice like I always do with Hawk. And I kept it, and I actually really like this hat. So thank you. It's made my day even better. And I know you're always expecting me to say whether my Monday is good or bad because of if the Browns <laughs> won or lost. And they won, so it was a good day. And then now it just got better with the Andrew Hawkins hat I'm See? able to wear this morning. That shows the benefit of being transparent with the people you love. If someone has a huge head, you tell them. And That's they right. could they could make steps towards hiding that head. And I was like, you know what? I have a big head too, Joe. <laughs> But it's not nearly as big as yours. So you should take it, and I'll go get my own. And I actually got a hat like that in the mail not too long ago. So we'll both be benefiting. We are also joined by, of course, the first lady of the Tomahawk Show. Fat Nat is back in the building. Three T's if you're looking at her on social media. She has been on hiatus for a couple of weeks. Why? I don't know. We'll get into it. But we also have Juju Gotti, ATL Shoddy, in the building. So Juju, Nat, how are you guys doing today? We'll start with Juju. Uh, pretty good. It's Speaking of big heads, you know what I mean? I think my head might be bigger than everybody <laughs> at Metal Art Media and CBS. And that's why I'll be distracting y'all with these furs so y'all don't see the circumference of this guy. <laughs> Yoke. Like, oh, my goodness. Salute to being here, though. Salute to your mustache, too, Joe. I see you, bro. Yeah, what is up with I the mustache? I love the look. It's fantastic. I think. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I feel like Joe is copying off of Travis Kelsey because he is everywhere nah, now. Nah, don't do that. Because of Taylor Swift. <laughs> I feel like the mustache is now cool because of Travis, and Joe is trying to piggyback off of that. Joe, mm. prove me wrong. You're wrong because the mustache has been Cat. cool for quite some time now, uh, uh, and it is no no shave November, Movember, you know, uh, Men's Health Awareness Month or something like that. But I just think mustaches are great, and it gives me a wonderful excuse to throw the mustache on and frighten my children at least one <laughs> month out of the year and have my wife repulse me even more than she already uh, does. Yeah. Uh, so it's a perfect opportunity. I walked downstairs after I shaved it and she goes, how long is that going to be on your face? And that was the first uh, comment. And I was like, I've never said that to you after you came back from the salon. Can't. That's a little bit hurtful right now. Of course you can't say that because you'd be divorced. So 
But now, well, where, we where the hell have you been um, in other news? Well, I've been I've been everywhere, actually. I just uh, got back from New York. I was at UFC 295 because I'm like such a big UFC fan. Were you fighting? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Oh, okay. Um, no, but that was amazing. Like, I have never been to a UFC fight before. And mm. now I want to go to all of them. Yeah. Um, if only I didn't have to, like, pay my entire savings account to get there. <laughs> I would go to more. So, um, but yeah, no, it was really fun. Uh before that, I don't know. I can't even say. I had Just some technical difficulties. Balling. I had travel, but I'm back. You're so. back. You're back. So what do you like about UFC fights? Is it the blood? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, no, it was sense. really fun. So it was supposed to be John Jones fighting, and that's what I uh, paid for. And then uh, <laughs> oh. that didn't end up happening. So I was a little nervous. I'm like, is this still going to be as hyped up as fun? And like, it was amazing. There was like, five knockouts throughout the whole night um which was really fun and uh <laughs> i like the vibes the vibes were good i was in the same building as a lot of cool people some yeah. some not so cool people that night but uh it was <laughs> it was a great experience i love so, it right. two words um, on the uh category of your mustache magnum pi that's it sex symbol from the 70s and 80s oh, I, I don't it. know what hawk don't know what he talking about on the mustache right, my bad I, salute the hawk you my brother i but boy i'm, I'm the mustache just saying been a thing i don't know if i could pull off the mustache is the thing i've thought about See, that's it. the problem you're hating that's what it looked like it looked like some hate on you and you're talking about his mustache it looks fantastic brother all right, all right. that's more yeah, i have to grab him during the Commercial break. I got some uh, some good aviators to pop on for you guys, so oh, I can be absolutely. full <laughs> transformation to Magnum PI. Yeah, you rock it better than Travis Kelsey, though. Obviously, that's this is a little bit wispy. That's a compliment. That's a, that's a compliment. That's a, what you guys don't know is Joe really does. I I, I watched a, a Joe sex appeal. Like when we first started the show, and I knew Joe, he was three hundred and thirty pounds. He was the fat lineman. It was just like, oh, that's just Joe. And then over time, he lost like a hundred pounds. He got abs, and then like. Women around were like, oh, Joe is Joe is sexy. Joe is good. And there was a new experience. So I can only imagine what Joe is feeling on the other side. <laughs> because in my mind, Joe is always 350 pounds, man. He's always going to be fat Joe. Uh, no disrespect mm. to the rapper, but in you know, again, I forget that he has Travis Kelsey like sex appeal, Nat. So that is good perspective that I never consider. You know what I'm saying? Um Yeah. Joe, it's not that. Fat people can't be sexy. No, of it's just not. that no. when I was 330, I was very not sexy. Not. So it's not I was maybe the exception to the fat is sexy yeah. rule. No. Uh, but to your point, like I was a skinny guy my entire life till I got to college and they forced cheese curds, beer, and uh, protein shakes down my throat to make me gain yes. weight to play offensive line. And then that's how I was through college and in the NFL. But like in my mind, I was just a, still like the skinny guy. So when I reverted to being the skinny guy, I didn't think of it any differently, but most of the people that were in my life now even didn't really know me in high school or before then. And so it has been a little interesting. <laughs> like I was in see me and like Hawk and you guys like go from being very, very fat and 332 not that anymore and uh no it gives hawk something to tease me about extra yeah i guess i'm just saying it was a new world for me juju you were in germany how was germany bro it was so good it was so fantastic it was my first time ever leaving the country really and so i was overwhelmed like it looked exactly like the movies do the the <laughs> ambulance sound exactly like yeah i'm like oh man look at the ambulance. <laughs> so i'm overwhelmed by every aspect That's i can beautiful. damn near cry every step i'm taking uh, and the people, I'm not sure they've seen, you know what I mean, so much flavor in their life before. Like, we saw it. 
So, but people walking up, taking pictures. I made, <laughs> made sure to introduce myself. After. I'm like, look, I'm Julian. I'm nobody. They was like, still, <laughs> take like, nah, picture. man, you are black. Like, you man. are American. You play in the NBA. Let's take this picture. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, but that's 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 hurtful. Yeah, but I'm just at the saying, same time. It was it. to me. It was a it was an experience that. I wouldn't trade for the world because, like, my mom and dad, they never been out of the country. Uh-huh. My little brother and all that. So I was able to show them pictures, and it was just move very moving to me. That's super dope, man. That's super dope. Incredible experience. I love that you get to come on the show and, and share them with us too, Juju, because that is, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big moment when you get outside the United States and you realize it's like, first off, it's not that hard to get out of the country. It's not as big of a deal as you probably make it in your mind. At least that's what my experience was. Right. And number two, it's like to experience different cultures that are so different from the United States. It really does open up your mind a whole bunch. So, Right, in Germany, I was petrified a little bit. I was like, "Oh, they don't yeah, I'm scared of that." Germany, I ain't gonna lie. I was like, "Oh man," I'm that's. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. That's very low on my country to visit list. No offense to my German <laughs> brothers and sisters. I'm just saying, it's a scary place for me. It's the maybe it's a propaganda that we've gotten here in the United States <laughs> since the beginning. But as a black man, I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's number one. I, it's I, I'm going to have to go to a lot of places before I'm like, yes, now let's knock Germany off that list. Probably well, Hawk, I, Joe. I'm moving there in six yeah, weeks. There you go. So now you have to come visit me. So oh. that's got to move Germany up the it does. priority list yes. for the Hawkins family. Yes, it, abs- it absolutely does. Because now I'm like, okay, worst case. I have protection from Joe, and I know Joe is going to go there, and he's a Hall of Famer. He probably has all kind of security details, so any fear that I have, I'm fine as long as I'm 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 with Mr. Thomas. Go ahead, Juju. What you got? May I ask, is this real? You moving to Germany? That's is there facts. any uh, uh <laughs> like what is that? <laughs> okay, so maybe I didn't explain myself quite well enough. Yeah, that was um, casual. He was like, by the yeah. way, I'm moving. Yeah, moving. Uh, so January 1st, me and the uh, wife and kids are packing up the covered wagon and we're uh, going down the Oregon Trail uh, over to Germany for a little nine-month experience. I'm going to coach the Munich Ravens offensive line, which is the uh, NFL American Football League over there in Europe. They don't have any teams in the UK yet, but it's the most prominent European league. There's a bunch of German teams. There's Italian, uh, French, Spanish, up into Poland. Um, there's 17 teams. So you play like, I don't know, 12 or 13 regular season games. And then they have a playoff that starts right around Labor Day. Um, so I'm really excited. Actually, this came to fruition when I was in Munich last year for the NFL Germany game. I went on this German podcast called uh, Football Bromance, which has like a million <laughs> followers. They destroyed Damn. the Tomahawk show Damn. in their number of followers, which is incredible because we're awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it's hosted by Bjorn Werner. If you guys remember him, he was a first-round draft pick coming out of Florida State. Yeah, I remember um, Bjorn. And then Patrick Asumi, who was actually a coach in Cleveland when I was there my rookie year. He's now the commissioner of the European League of Football, the Elf League, which is kind of funny to me, <laughs> but I don't funny. know if that doesn't translate for them. <laughs> but I told him, I was like, hey, if I can have a chance to give my family an international experience, to your point, Juju, like I didn't leave the country as a kid. My, you know, I, I had no idea. I barely left my city, much less the state. So you have a very like sheltered view of what the world looks like and you're not very cultured. So I wanted to take my kids and give them that international experience if we could while they were little before they got too serious in the sports and friends and all their activities. Um, and so I just kind of was able to get linked up with the Munich Ravens football team. 
and uh, the rest is history. And so now I'm going over there. This is their second year in existence, and I'll be the uh, offensive line coach. I'm going to start training those guys uh, that are on my offensive line in January. And then Hawkins and his whole family are going to come over and uh, we're going <laughs> to eat some pretzel and drink beer and show them that the Germans, they're not scary people. They're very welcoming and they love black people, <laughs> even though they think they all play in the NBA. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Juju so, and I are coming, a, by the way. We're all coming. That's amazing. We're brother. all I'm so happy. For, like for Appreciate real, from the bottom of my heart. Like, I might that's play. That's amazing, bro. Well, is there any you, chance I could play one game, Joe? Honest question. No, you really could. So um, I've actually had dreams about this. Do you know, like, you know, after you're you're done with school, you still have dreams of having to go back and uh -huh. like, take another test or something like that. And I had that a little bit after I retired from the NFL, but then <sighs> enough time has passed and like my body feels broken down enough where I'm like, there's no way I could block Miles Garrett anymore. But the level of football in Germany, the European Miles League Garrett of football, could get that work though, right? It's a little bit more like D3. <laughs> And I'm like, I feel like even as broken Bro. down as I am, I feel like I could go out there if we made the Super Bowl of Europe to like go play in one game. So I, Hawk, you could absolutely <laughs> still do it. I would take you as my receiver in a heartbeat. We're going to take a break here, but I I am declaring right now on the Tomahawk Show, Joe, if you are with it, I am with it, that we will go out there and we will play one game in mm -hmm. the professional Germany-American Football League. Yeah. And we will make history as a podcast, and we will have Nat and Juju on the sideline documenting mm -hmm. and commentating every point of it. We are going to That's change right. the game, all right? Yeah. I can't wait. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into all things football from this past weekend, college football and NFL. And as always, like the Tomahawk Show does, we're going to continue to change the game in that perspective, too. Drop the base. DJ. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. We're going to continue to jump into all kind of NFL and college football news. But first, uh, Joe Thomas, he put his aviators on, he took his hat off. And I'm not going to lie, Joe, if <laughs> you pulled me over, I would be scared to death. And that is not an exaggeration. You are, uh, if I had to typecast a lot of things, there's a, there's, there's a, there's, there's some, there's some characteristics I would put on you just by your appearance, which isn't right because we don't judge books by its cover. But Juju, I know you feel what I'm saying. I don't. This is not. I am reaching into my glove compartment, <laughs> sir. Please, I don't. Please, bitch. I, <laughs> goodness gracious. Oh my god. All right, so we just learned Joe is moving to Germany to coach, um, and I think the reason I figured it out in the break why he is doing so, he is looking for the German buyout. Um, that apparently, <laughs> I don't know if it's to the level of Jimbo Fisher, but Jimbo Fisher, oh man, uh, officially, what is it, seventy-six point something or another million dollars to not coach <sighs> Texas A and M, seventy-six point eight, and they say it could go up to as high as one hundred and fifty million dollars. So let's just put this out there right away. Jimbo Fisher won. I don't care what the <laughs> Aggies think. I don't care what fans' perspective is of. Do you want this? And I don't care a damn what Jimbo Fisher says. That was the win. And almost to the point where if I'm him, he was probably trying to get fired because there is nothing like getting paid that kind of money to not work. You talk about the American dream. I don't know if there's one better than that, Joe. Just I'm just putting that out there. Hawk, you hit on an important point, and you kind of said it tongue-in-cheek a little bit there that he was trying to get fired. But this is the landmine that athletic directors are starting to step on a lot in college mm. football. As these guys are getting these huge contracts, 
wisely, they're putting massive guarantees in there, right? Because they have the leverage at the time that they're getting signed. And so, yeah, they're getting huge salaries, but they're also all guaranteed for these like ridiculous amount of time because these ADs want to make sure that they can sell to recruits that we have stability at head coach. Mm -hmm. No matter what happens, he's not going anywhere. This is going to be your guy so that it helps with recruiting, right? So that's a big part of college football. But the problem is... In order to be great in college football, you have to be a badass recruiter, right? Because mm -hmm. it's all about the talent that you can bring into your program. You only have four years. And so that's Nick Saban's secret for forever and ever. Like he's a great developer of that talent, but yep. he got how many 25 star recruits every single year. So he just captured the entire market of the best players in yep. uh, high school coming into college every single year. But in order to be a great recruiter, you got to grind your ass off. Like there's no time for hanging out at your uh, beach house. There's no time for, you know, flying on your private jet with your family to go on a vacation. Mm -hmm. There's no time to go hunting with your buddies. Like you don't have time for anything because all the extra time you have in your life is spent recruiting. Yep. But all of a sudden you give him a 150 million guaranteed contract <sighs> and he's going, you know what? I kind of got everything I've already wanted and Why? I worked hard for my entire life. Do I still want to win? Absolutely. I'm going to put in all the time that I need to in the office to make sure that the plays are right, that I'm developing these guys. However, you know what? I do want to take that family vacation. I got a hundred million in the bank and I got access to a private jet. <laughs> I think I am going to go to the Bahamas mm. for my kids spring break in March this year. And instead of recruit, you know what, I'm not going to stay up late and write another letter to some, or a text message to some 17 year old kid. I'm going to go to my son's football game. All, and all of a sudden you're recruiting slips. And then now the guy's like, I really don't even care if I get fired. So even though he wasn't expressly trying to get fired, like the things that you did to get that contract instantly don't become important anymore. Yep. Because you have so much money that you don't care as much about the recruiting and therefore your talent slips on your team and then mm -hmm. you can't compete and then you get fired, which we should all see that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in college football now as these guys are getting these massive contracts and then just not fulfilling them because they stink because yeah. it's so much about recruiting and how much are you willing to put yourself through misery to recruit these players to your program? You're incentivizing doing shitty. And I don't, as an entrepreneur myself, that is a terrible business model, right? And you yeah. look at it makes you appreciate people like Nick Saban because Nick Saban yeah. is truly tracing greatness. Yeah, he makes a ton of money. To your point, Joe, yes, he's an incredible recruiter and he gets those top recruits. But even that system is flawed a little bit because you know what makes you a five-star recruit, Joe? It's not the fact that these, these websites are incredible talent evaluators. If you get certain offers, you become a five-star or a four-star Right. And it's very simple. So it's almost like you reverse engineer, quote unquote, great recruiting classes. If you're a coach at Texas A&M, Georgia and all these places. And yes, they're good because they have a certain height, weight, speed and production and they play in a certain area. But at the same time, it's like you can never be a five star with zero offers. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's impossible because there's not a website in the world that's going to take that leap. So when you look at Saban, who is truly chasing greatness, and even though he could get paid a lot to not coach when you look at Jimbo it's like well what to your point why do I have to make that decision you're going to pay me probably even more if I am terrible if I'm them I probably give a call to Dion because Dion's a great recruiter and Dion at the very least doesn't want people to think he sucks and so you'll have somebody naturally who is incentivized not to not do well because they have a public image and, and legacy to uphold very similar to somebody like Nick Saban
So I think that's where it's actually really important to have coaches with ginormous egos, which yes. obviously Dion has one. Nick Saban yes. has a big ego because when you have a huge ego like that, the money is not as important as your own reputation yeah. and how you perceive yourself amongst your peers. So Jim Jimbo Fisher, maybe he doesn't have a big ego, which, you know, nice. maybe that was a selling Good point. Guy. However, like he just clearly didn't care that his, uh, his brand, everything he'd done to build up himself as a coach was going to be completely eviscerated yes. after he got fired and took his $150 million golden parachute, but he didn't care. Whereas a Nick Saban or a Deion Sanders, that's way more important than the yes. money. So you, they're never going to slack on the recruiting mm -hmm. or the grinding after they get that contract. It's like this show. I mean, we're not in this for the money. We're in this for the greatness. It's the ego that's that right. keeps this show going. We haven't made a yeah, cent man. in eight years. We are like, I can't even tell you how, I mean, I can't pay my rent on a month-to-month -month basis, but I tell you, I might miss the rent, but what I won't miss, Joe, is a goddamn Tomahawk uh, show episode, and that is the and that is the truth, right? And Same here. You can, uh, Juju's there, and, and Officer Joe Thomas will also attest to that. Nat will miss a show every couple weeks. She doesn't mind it, but uh, oh my God. that's just how, how 49ers whoa, whoa. fans are, are wired. <laughs> Sticking in college football, we're going to talk Michigan, because I am perplexed and joe you are biased because you are a wisconsin badger so we mm -hmm. will get your opinion last i want to start with juju mm -hmm. and nat have you guys been made privy to the michigan football scandal we'll start there with a yes or no <laughs> yes okay juju yeah. yes all right nat yes juju give me your opinion is this a big deal to a fan of college football please to a fan of college football it's a big deal okay we should wait hold on, 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 on we should probably start by explaining the scandal Bad okay, broadcasting yes, work by me. Like I said, I don't get paid to do this show. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to work the kinks out as we go along. But the scandal is Michigan has been accused of stealing signs. And I think, you know, help me with the detail if you have it, Juju. But they had somebody allegedly at opposing a future opponent's games, looking Man. at their signs, what their meaning was, and then giving that information back to Michigan to aid them and getting victories against those said programs. Now, Juju, is this a big deal to you? Yeah, salute the Connor Stallions. This is a big deal. <laughs> Name because, call, love it. You know what I mean? So it's a slippery slope, basically. You know what I mean? You allow certain things to happen. Next thing you know, you're videotaping people in the locker room. So it's, okay, you got to you gotta <laughs> <laughs> lift it in now the now uh -huh. <laughs> Different <laughs> intents there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean hey, <laughs> you know, yeah, as Harbaugh, he probably need both of those films. But <laughs> I need I to think, see it all. <laughs> I think it, it definitely provides their, the fans that don't like them more ammunition. And they, their coaching staff, the coach who got interviewed after the game, sir, you are the joker of the year, week. Oh, I don't, don't, do, shit. don't do Coach out. Moore like that. He's happy, man. It's hard for Look, black he was coaches. Happy, but you would have thought Jim Harbour was R.I.P. Uh, uh, rest <laughs> in power, King, as far as that, that interview. My boy in the locker room right now. You can go dab him off and tell him this. And that was, that was a bit much. Was that? Wait, that might have been. Was Coach oh, the first? No, I, mean, I agree with you. I think, uh, I think it's a little dramatic. That interview was very corny like i don't know oh, like dang, but, like where did that emotion come from like why it felt like he died so i'm like what is going on here this is they're playing the victim card in my opinion i don't think that like you you did it to yourself like you're it's your fault like there's period <laughs> well i i will say i don't know can we get we don't have a researcher i don't think here but uh i'm gonna kick the research anyway research how many black coaches have there been in Michigan football history. 
Let's start there because I feel like that emotion, while it may have felt like, man, I miss you, Coach Harbaugh. I feel like it was probably representative of some of a of a of a larger accomplishment for for Coach Moore there. Do we nah, have you throwing him unnecessary bail money? No, nah, it's, corny. it's <laughs> Nat says corny is corny. All right, all right. So okay, the sentiment right now of the Tomahawk show is that it was corny for him to be crying. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and saying, man, he just won a coach won a football game as a head coach at Michigan. Joe, from a scandal perspective, how big of a deal? Is Michigan sign stealing? To me, this is a lot like Spygate with the Patriots going back to the early 2000s. And what Spygate was, was they were stealing their scripted walkthrough of the game like Saturday night because they were videoing it. Uh And then they had that information. So they knew the plays that were going to be called uh, the next day. Okay. You know, in, you know, some type of an order, you had an idea of if they were in certain formations. And so defensively you could, see what personnel groupings they were in and probably figure out what play they were going to run and make sure you're calling the right play. Um, so that was obviously a huge advantage. And this is similar to that because once you know what the other team's signs are, then your defensive coordinator is going to have an idea what the play is so he can call the perfect defense. And I think that's a big deal. To me, that is one of the worst forms of cheating in all of sports. Um, I think it's it's a travesty. And I know that Jim Harbaugh is a lot like Belichick, right? Super competitive guy, got to win at everything, going to find every little nook and cranny he can to try to find any advantage over his opponent. Um, and rules be damned, right? He's going to bend those rules in any way he possibly can. That's why he was suspended at the beginning of the season for recruiting violations. Mm-hmm. That's why he's suspended right now. Um, however, I do want to draw a line here with v- rules that I think really uh, should be punished harshly are rules like this, where you're stealing the opponent's information. You're doing something to try to gain an advantage over them by stealing something of theirs and or putting them down in some manner. Like when we used to go play in New England, the quarterback's headset always cut out. Like for whatever reason, now maybe that's totally random and just an unusual coincidence, but Whenever it was third down or a big play, our quarterback's headset always cut out. And to me, <laughs> if they were doing that intentionally with some type of radar or uh, radio blocking frequency or somebody That's was just amazing. back there with a, a, a scissors and a, a crimp, um, whatever it was, like that would be a big issue. But if you look at what Brady was doing with the deflating of footballs, to me, that's not a big deal at all because all he was doing was trying to make himself perform better on the field. That'd be like wearing better cleats or or trying to wear the stickiest gloves or helping with, you know, shoes that make you faster or, you know, a jock strap that doesn't chafe you so much so that you can run more swiftly on the field. So like that type of stuff to me is not a big deal because I'm doing things to myself and to my own team to try to make us better, to do our own jobs better. Whereas the bad type of cheating that really bugs me is the stuff where you're stealing your opponent's stuff or you're doing something intentionally to make them worse. Like I'm all for everybody trying so, to make themselves as good as possible to improve their own performance. I, I want to know. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be honest with all of you. I don't think this is that big of a deal. Now, again, Mm -hmm. this is without me having all the detail of what went into it. If this guy was on the actual opponent's sideline, like I've seen a picture of him in Central Michigan, and I wasn't sure if he was stealing Central Michigan sign or watching the other sideline, I I would also say if he was stealing Central Michigan sign from their sideline, 
your staff is it, you shouldn't need signs to beat Central Michigan. That's just <laughs> no offense to the Chiefs. Someone say that about how Joe say against the Browns, the Patriots. I mean, y'all still the Browns. <laughs> That's right. Come on, man. That's a very good point. Your, your good a, ammo on, it's uh, like you just wasted here. a Save lot of for the special forces troops. Guys. Exactly. Keep those Marriott points for somebody else. You wasting hotel and airfare. <laughs> but that being said, in a game, if if you're during the side sideline, like you could sit in the stands. And in advanced scouting or whatever it is, I don't think it's a big deal. If you are doing the signs for me to say, okay, I see your signs. Let me correlate the play and what it is, right? And I get that there are rules of how and where you can deploy staff or people to steal signs. And there's a conversation of whether, you know, this guy was rogue or not. But in my year as a GA, my job on the sideline for Toledo was to look at the other signs that they are doing mm. and seeing if I can catch the trends. And I will tell you both right now, I was terrible at it. I mean, it was <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't want to be there. I got a little bit of ADHD and I'm like, oh man, it, you know, oh, she's cute. And I, I, dang. <laughs> anyway, what was that one? How did you see it? Um, yeah, I think, I think, when they put a three up, it's cover three. And obviously <laughs> yeah, my coaching right. career didn't last long, but I don't think that that's that big of a deal. It's probably cover two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't think it was a big deal, and I still don't think it's that big of a deal. And I feel like, you know. Mm-hmm. I see what's happening. I what's see happening? what's happening. It sounds like you got your eye on that second uh, Michigan black head coach <laughs> position. I'm in it for the buyout, you're throwing buyout, them a lot of bail money. I'm telling you right now, Juju, Joe is now a coach, and I am in it for the – for the for the for the buyout money, my damn self. All right, we're gonna take a quick break <laughs> and we're gonna come back and talk a little bit more specifically in the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. We're going to get into a little run-pass option where Joe and I are presented with topics by our own Fat Nat, sometimes Juju, but, you know, he's acting brand new recently. Uh, we're presented with <laughs> topics, and we'll get the option to either run with it or pass on it. And spoiler alert, I have a feeling we're going to run with all of these. Fat Nat, you're up. What do you got? All right, first one. C.J. Stroud threw for 356 yards and a touchdown in a huge win against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Mm. The Texans are now 5-4 and four and one game behind the Jags, who lead the AFC South. He's thrown for over 800 yards and seven TDs in the past two weeks. Hawk, run or pass? Uh, I'm running with this one. C.J. Stroud is the truth, man. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I think the way that he stared the barrel of the gun down against Joe Burrow and went drive for drive, throw for throw, and and still in two back-to-back weeks to win the game on the last drive is very, very special. Joe is an unintentional quarterback guru because Joe sits in in, in a huddle. Let Let me set the scene for everybody. You can scout quarterbacks all you want to. And, you know, we can look at the numbers. We can look at how they went. They played against really good opponents, what conference they went to, what their Wonderlick score was. I remember the C.J. Stroud Wonderlick score was a topic at some point. Oh, can he process this or he processes that? And the thing that I'm used to doing with quarterbacks is looking them in their eyes. And you can't, you can't really quantify that. But it's like when I look at you, do you expect to make the play when – all the chips are stacked against you or when the pressure is as high as it could possibly be. Most people in human nature are scared of that, that, that opportunity. Most people want to just win games by 20 to 30 points and have their defense or somebody else take the pressure off of them. I've been in those huddles 
where I have to look in a quarterback's eye and have to feel like, okay, this is a throw that is going to determine whether we win or lose, or a read that is going to determine whether we get W's or L's. Joe and I are side by side in that huddle looking, and we I'm telling you, before the play happens, I know exactly what that quarterback's mindset is. If he actually believes he can make that play, and that's what's so special about C.J. Stroud, because when you watch him, he not only expects to make the play, he goes into it like it's an opportunity to prove to everybody else that he's really the guy, Joe. Yeah, and that only is built through the confidence of knowing that you are ready for that moment because you're prepared, you know that you're going to succeed. And so he's got that confidence going in because he knows what to do and he's excited for those moments to be able to prove to everybody, yeah, I'm the man, right? So having a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of ego, it's a good thing in, in that situation. I think he's proven to everybody that uh, maybe didn't think he was ready to be an NFL quarterback because, you know, the wonder league test was going to hold him back or something like that. I mean, mm. how laughable is that? You see the number of plays that he's making down the field, reading defenses, finding which receiver should be open based on coverage. He proved all that wrong because quarterback's all about decision-making and it has nothing to do with what your wonder like score is to be able to determine what the best coverage is yes. and what you're seeing and what's what the best route combination is going to be uh, against those coverages that you're seeing and making sure that now your physical abilities can take over and being excited for that moment is stuff that we all see with CJ Stroud. And that's why he's performing at a level we've never seen a rookie quarterback perform at before. I made this uh, analogy last week on ESPN and I'll say it again about CJ Stroud. He is a chef not a cook. A cook is someone who executes well-established recipes. If somebody else gives me what the how, I can execute the how. And then there are chefs who know the why. And Joe is a chef. Joe is a chef when it comes to actual food because um, he can taste it and say, oh, this is what it's missing. It doesn't matter. What, what do we have to work with? Cool. Here's what it is. I know offensive and defensive football, and C.J. Stroud never rattles no matter what they throw at him because he knows, okay, well, if you do this based on that, no matter what the play says, I know there's an answer here because you can't do this without this happening. And that's a very special quality for quarterbacks that even at the NFL level, very, very few have. Nat, what you got next? All right. So the Ravens took their loss in a close 33-30 to 30 defeat to the Cleveland Browns. Mm. On the surface, it seemed like the Ravens were the better team, but Deshaun Watson inched closer to the old version of himself, and they got the dub. Joe, runner pass. Yeah, I'm going to run on this. I think that what you saw from the Browns was how good they can be. This is a team that absolutely should be in the conversation of potentially winning a Super Bowl this season. They've got the number one defense in the NFL. They've got a tremendous running game, even though they lost Nick Chubb. They've been able to replace him with three guys that are all performing really well. They were down. Their top three tackles were all injured going into this game this weekend, and they still were able to run the ball. They were still able to protect for Deshaun Watson. And we saw a different version of Deshaun Watson in the second half. He was 14 of 14. He was exceptional with his decision-making. He was tough, scrambling around, tucking the football, running for first downs, running for big gains when they were there. Um, and so I think we saw the old Deshaun Watson come out in that second half. And you could tell after that game with how excited his teammates were to see that, to see him kind of overcome a lot of the, the question marks that he's had this season alone um, with coming back, not looking good. And then all of a sudden he hurts his shoulder. And then there was a lot of questions about, is he healthy enough? Is he tough enough? Because he's not playing. Everyone says his, his shoulder is healthy. And I think he was able to push all of that behind him, put all the doubts 
to the side. Any of the doubts that his teammates had about how much he wants to win got pushed aside. He played great and he did it and he showed them how tough he is with those running, with those those hits that he was able to take. And I think this is a Browns team that's going to be very scary, right? You beat the hottest team in football when you made a ton of mistakes at their house. So the rest of the season for us Browns fans, it's going to be pretty exciting. Mm, that was not biased at all, but it is spot on. No, I will, I will no. give that. I will give <laughs> Juju. Does that feel biased? I can't. I'm also biased, so I, I'm, I'm even like reluctant to chime in. But I want to hear from you, Juju, and also Nat. Like, is, is that a biased take, or is there there actual smoke to that fire? Look, you had me at Super Bowl. I was everything <laughs> after that. I was like, boy, I put a cap. Out. If it was caps in here, I would have <laughs> thrown them at the screen. Them boys do not deserve to be in that conversation. Oh, come see what on. they doing. They had a great, they had a great win yesterday. Let's let's string a couple of loads together and, and and make sure Deshaun can do that a couple weeks in a row before we say, oh, some of the stuff that my handsome brother is saying right now. You know what I mean? So I think it's a little cap. <laughs> I, yeah. What about you, Nat? <laughs> no, I'm on the other side of that. As soon as he said Super Bowl, I'm like, I'm all in. I'm all in. Just yes. like, uh, there we just go. like when you guys, you they turned me into a Browns fan during the 0-16 season, and I was all in. So, like, obviously, I am all in. I think Super Bowl, that's it. All right, we're going to talk a lot more Browns in the next segment as a little bit of a teaser. So, Nat, what do we got next on the run pass option? Okay, so Josh Dobbs was thrown into action against the Falcons and squeezed out a win without even knowing the playbook. In his first home game as a Viking, he actually had to be escorted to the locker room because he didn't know where it was. In two games, the Pastronaut has gone 2-0. Hawk run pass. Run with this one only because this is my favorite story in the NFL. This is this is this outdoes the Taylor Swift and Travis story, in my opinion, because Josh Dobbs is just getting sent all over the league and he's playing well at every place he goes. He started the season with the Browns. They traded him to Arizona. Uh, where he played well and better than expected there and won a game, I think. And then he was traded to Minnesota when Kirk Cousins got hurt. And now he's 2-0, and he doesn't even know the rest of his offense's names. And the reason why, and people are always asking, well, how do people miss on quarterbacks? And Josh Dobbs is clearly talented. And I feel like a little bit is it because of Josh Dobbs, not to place blame on him, but he is clearly playing like a guy who has no cares in the world. The pressure of the NFL is so washed off of him and the way he's approached the game. TikTok, he's like been bounced around the league. He played well for the Titans, I believe, last year as well. He was on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think after a while, he just accepted like, okay, this is what I am and we'll see what happens. And now with that carefree attitude, he's showing that he really, really has the skills to be an NFL quarterback. So I think he's making himself a lot of money, number one. But also, I think if he continues this streak, he is going to be in the conversation to be a starter in the NFL. And at one point when he was out of the league, I can only imagine when he was doing internships with NASA that that was not on his bingo card for the foreseeable future. He's been doing all of that with these mediocre teams. He got something coming in named Justin Jefferson soon. I don't know if he, him and him, mm. they know each other or not. Introduce yourself in the locker room one time. <laughs> That's the only name you need to know moving forward. He out there somewhere. He out there somewhere. All right, what we got next, Nat? All right, so the leading story coming out of New York last week was rookie QB turned QB1, Tommy DeVito, still living at his parents' house. In a tough outing <laughs> against the Cowboys, DeVito threw for 86 yards and two touchdowns. In the event that being an NFL quarterback is not in his cards, would it be wise for him to stop apartment hunting on Zillow and keep living at his parents' <laughs> house for the time being? Oh. Joe Runner Pass. 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to run with this. Uh, <laughs> Tommy DeVito, he's a fun story, you know, being a New Yorker and living with his parents, that sounds lovely and everything, but I'm not sure you want to, uh, filter those lower price departments out of your Zillow search, buddy, because, <laughs> you know, some of those like a couple hundred bucks a month apartments are going to be about where you're staying here in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up. No, absolutely. I disagree. DeVito, keep living with your parents, okay? What was his stat line from the weekend? Yeah, 86 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, I don't – 86 yards passing does not sound like you should be you should be apartment hunting on Zillow. I'm not saying that's all your fault. The NFL is hard. The Giants are in position to be the number one overall picker in the NFL draft. So, again, I'm just saying give yourself some time. My first year in the league, I lived in a hotel the entire season. Like, not only did I live in a hotel, when they came to activate me, which I didn't know that they were coming and dropping by because they knew I was living in the hotel, the coach came in and he was like, like the movie, like, well, your, your, your bag is packed. I kept my suitcase packed the entire time. I would take my drawers out, put my drawers back in after they were washed. I would brush my teeth and I would put it back into my bag because I'm like, when they cut me, I don't want the embarrassment of having to go pack up my stuff. In the, so my stuff in the locker and my hotel was packed, ready to go at any moment. I could be gone in less than 26 seconds, right? Nice. So for Mr. DeVito, I get it. Stay with your parents. Save that money. I don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know how long it's going to last. Don't waste it on a condo in Times Square because you're feeling <laughs> the love and everyone is talking about your name across the country. It's the not for long league for a reason. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we got a segment. Oh, I, I can't tell you how I'm excited about this. We got pick six where we get to hear from the Tomahawk, baby. Yes, y'all. And we don't stop. All right, welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. We are getting into our pick six segment where we pick six questions that we were asked by the Tomahawk on social media. And we answer them right here on the show. Fat Nat is going to read because Juju refuses to. Um, I don't refuse it. No, that is not what happened. This is a hook. Don't find it situation right here. This is not that. All She's right. a better reader than I am and more educated. So All right. Fat Nat. All right. That's, we'll, we'll, we'll see. All right. But we'll give it to Nat. Nat, continue, please, with our pick six. All right. So the first question comes from Ian Rogers at Excuses17. All Browns all the time. Miles season, historic or unimaginable. Watson's up and down season. Why the crap do people want Stefanski's head? All right, Ian, that's three questions <laughs> in one. Uh, Joe, you can, you, you can address, <laughs> you can address <laughs> anyone you want there, Joe. So the reason people are always on Stefanski is the reason that every fan base that's super passionate is always talking about their team and they're always hating on their head coach. Like it's just goes without saying that when you have a passionate fan base, they always want to talk about everybody. And until your guy wins a Super Bowl, they're just going to be endlessly unhappy with every little decision he makes. Even though Stefanski was the coach of the year his first year, he did a great job navigating all sorts of crazy choppy waters the last few years. And he's got a team right now with a quarterback that's still not playing as well as you expected when you signed him for $250 million a couple of years ago. And 
His team is playing lights out football. You just beat the Niners when they were the hottest team in football. And you just beat the, the Vikings on the road when they are the hottest team in football. Did I say Vikings? I meant Ravens. Uh, you beat the Ravens <laughs> and you got your team in position to possibly win the AFC North and go on a Super Bowl run. So uh, the reason people hate Stefanski and always want to be on his what the crap on Stefanski is because it's just a loyal, passionate fan base. And that's just what those fan bases do. I love it. And I'm going to address the Miles one because... Miles is a, I mean, historic because he's done it for so long consistently. Like, he is building a Hall of Fame career. He will probably be the next Browns Hall of Famer. And the the, the, the bad part is the thorn, it, it has to be a thorn in Miles' side that he is in the NFL at the same time in the same division as T.J. Watt. Because for all the greatness Miles does, it seems like Watt does it at the same exact time. And it makes it feel like it's normal when both of them are like two generationally talented players who were just placed there at the same time. It reminds me of a story my mom told me about, I think it was Elijah Gray, who patented the telephone the same day as Alexander Graham Bell. And we only ever learn about Alexander Graham Bell because it just so happened somebody was a little late. So I'm curious... As time goes on, if Miles will be Alexander Graham Bell or Elisha Gray, but my gut tells me it's it's going to be both. I want to address the one uh, the what the crap as part of that. Like, did you make that up, brother? Is that have you always been saying that since you were a kid? I want to get it off the ground. What the crap? Why the crap? Yeah, why the crap? T-shirts definitely need to be in 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 the works because even when you, you know like, the cool thing about a what the crap T-shirt is, you could fill in any topic that is cool with any fan base or popular in that moment, right? Like what the crap is the tagline and you could put any logo underneath it. That's relevant for any fan base in the country. And it would be hilarious, but it's not even what the crap, which makes a little bit more sense. It's why the crap. And even if you unedit it to what, why the shit it still, it doesn't make any, it doesn't even connect Ian, but that's, I don't want to get lost here. We're, we're down to like four and a half minutes. So what's next, Nat? New segment coming soon. Why the crap on the Tom? Um, <laughs> okay, next question. Joe, this is for you from Brett at Try to Be. Can you step in this week for the Browns? They are down to just pointing at large people that drive by in Berea and asking if they're healthy enough to play. Got one game left to bridge the bleeding at tackle position. Yeah, Hawk and I talked about this at the beginning. I'm saving the one game I got left in my body for Munich when we're in the uh, European League of Football version of the Super Bowl. So unfortunately, my NFL days are behind me, but you can log in and watch on YouTube the European League of Football Championship and me and Hawk (laughs) will be out there throwing elbows at people and catching touchdown passes and winning championships for that one more time. If, If Joe came back, could you imagine Joe coming back and us playing the Steelers? TJ Watt would literally put him in a body bag. We'd be wearing RIP t-shirts <laughs> that very next next week. It would be ridiculous. All right, what we got next now? I would be the guy that fakes a back injury in <laughs> pregame warm-ups. Oh, my hamstring. You're holding your back. I mean my back. Oh. Trainers. That's the big one. That is it. Oh, man. This is it. All right. So Tyler Schaefer asks, how does the team feel about media questions? It seems like they ask the same thing different ways to try and get a certain answer out of the players. I'll I'll take this one because we'll do this quick. We hate media questions. We love it (laughs) because we're happy somebody's talking to us. But if you notice, like they literally train us as players to answer questions without saying anything. And so like it, it always like for me, like 
I know that everyone has a job to do, and the media that asks the questions, they know this. It's like players literally will say, you know, with the exception of the Patriots who just directly say nothing. It's like, like yeah, you know, we're working hard. It's like we all have a responsibility here, and, you know, the, the only thing we can control is coming in week to week and putting in the detail, right? Like, we got to get in the film room. I mean, that team played incredible, and they have so much talent. You know, but we have talent, too, and we got to believe, and I think that starts at the top. And the detail that we put in is going to measure the outcome that we get on a weekend basis. And, you know, we just got to continue to make that track because anything that happens now, this isn't what it's about. It's about later in the season when our quest to win a championship. And it's like that – Take that answer, bust it down, and you can answer any question that the media asked you at any given point. Bust it down, though. Yeah, you got to bust it down, though, depending on it. You got to bust it down. All right, what's next? I think we're on four here. All right, Beef Brewski asks, can the Vikings make the playoffs with Josh Dobbs at QB? I'll take this one, and the answer is yes. Josh Dobbs got traded from Arizona because he was too good. Like they brought him in because they're in this tanking mode and they don't want to win games. And they all of a sudden he was like, Oh damn, this guy won us a game. Like he's given us opportunities to win some of these other ones. We don't want this dude anymore. We got to get rid of him. He's too good. So he goes to Minnesota and people are starting to realize like, I disagree with Hawk that he's going to be a long-term starter in the NFL because Mm -hmm. he does have a lot of physical limitations. He doesn't have a huge arm. He can scramble a little bit, but it's not like he's going to kill you with his legs. Um, But he is super smart. And so he gives you, good enough play especially in that backup role where he comes in for a guy that's injured where he's going to make the right decisions he's not going to have a ton of turnovers he's going to throw the ball to the right guy and you can build an offense that can have success around him so you do that with josh dobbs and you look at then their remaining schedule like it's pretty favorable for the vikings and i definitely see a legitimate path for them to be able to make to the playoffs and what juju just said they got this jefferson guy i've heard of him he's okay he comes back that's a different ball game out there for that Vikings offense and their defense is playing really, really well, especially compared to how they were last year. Mm. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. Cause we don't have time for that. We got, we got, we got, we got time for one more. It's going to be picked five today. long enough. Checkmate. <laughs> what do you got? Fat? Yes. One more. Right. Last question from the Tomaflog. Ryan Gallagher asks, what was the toughest away base state away fan base slash stadium you had to play against? Mm. All right. One word answer Steelers. It, it was it's they because they are everywhere. It's no matter like, you know, it doesn't it, it, their Steeler fans are everywhere. They come from everywhere. They come to your stadium. They're at their stadium and they let you hear it. Joe, who is the worst for you? As an away player, I actually enjoyed playing at the Steelers and playing in those rabid fan bases because I like that back and forth. I like that us versus them gladiator mentality where like you felt an energizing focus going there and hearing people yelling at you and talking bad about your mama and throwing stuff at you. Like to me, that was exciting. I'd love that. It brought the team together. There's only one correct answer, Hawk, and that's Miami because the temperature is fucking hot as ball sack. (laughs) It it will melt a candle sitting on your bench out in that heat, man. And as a really, really fat guy, when I played, there was nothing more miserable than being three 30 and having to go and play in Miami, uh, at like a one o'clock kick. That's because you were going to melt. And by the second half, even with two IV bags, there was no way you could survive that heat. That's a perfect answer (laughs) because, uh, metal arc studios is, 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 Based down here in Miami, where we're at, it absolutely is the worst place to play. And as someone who is hairy and sweats a lot, I had to wear three different uniforms 
in our game <laughs> in Miami. Three, I had to change oh three God. times. All right, but that does it for this episode of the Tomahawk. Shout out to the DraftKings Network and Meadowlark Media. Shout out to Juju Gotti and, of course, Fat Nat and my brother, co-host, Hall of Famer, Mr. 369, Joe Thomas himself. And shout out to you, the Tomahawk. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. And until then, Joe, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>